Knock, 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 ladies and gentlemen. That's right, the fellas, the fellas, the fellas. You are correct, indeed. In fact, as you check your calendar, there is Saturday NFL football this week. But oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. There's not just a two-game slate this week. There's a three-game slate next Saturday. Yes, there's a Friday Christmas showdown slate. Yes, 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 yes. All the sports. NBA will be back. Oh, I cannot wait. We got a two-game Saturday slate, ladies, gentlemen, fellas, fellas, fellas. What you doing? What's popping? Kick back, relax, take your shoes off. This is a spot right now for you to get smacked with the information that you need to go into these contests, to go into the tournaments, to go into your season-long fantasy, whatever you might need this information for, for Saturday's games, and dominate. That's the whole goal here. Go into war, get ready to go. Your opponents, you're on top of a hill, looking down on them. You have the high ground. They ain't got a chance. So if you're brand new, welcome to the channel. This is exactly what you're going to get. Probably the best free, and, and I would say overall, information that you can find in the DFS streets and the fantasy streets right here on this channel. Maybe that might be a little bit cocky. I think that it's just confidence in terms of the preparation that I put into these videos and all that I'm trying to give to you, the people, the fellas, the ladies, the gentlemen, the supporters of this channel and this podcast. So thank you so much in advance. We're going to be going through as I record this right now and release it on a Wednesday for the Saturday slate. So some things can change, of course. Injuries, hopefully a whole team doesn't get wiped out for COVID like happened on Thanksgiving and wasted my time recording a showdown video for that Steelers-Ravens game. But we're going to go position by position. I have projections. I have rankings all up right now on my Patreon for these slates. Linked down below. You can follow along with that. Ownership for this slate and all the other slates. The Thursday night football slate. We'll have a video for that. The Sunday main slate. Of course, we'll have a video for that later in the week. All the ownership, all the other types of stuff and tools and data will be updated on Patreon. Again, you can follow it down below. Follow along. And yes, since there is a Saturday slate and it starts in the afternoon and then the night game for the Packers where they're saying there might be a snow game right now in Lambeau Field, which is enjoyable and fun to watch on the TV, the big old screen. But yeah, we're going to be going live for Saturday's games. We're going to be going live for Sunday's games for the Thursday game. So be sure to hit the like button, the subscribe button, right? So the like, the big old subscribe pops up. All of those things really do help this channel as we push towards our goal. We're around 500 subscribers away from that uh, benchmark of hitting 35,000 subscribers by the end of the year. We're on pace, so I appreciate that. But also the notification bell. A lot of people just join the live streams for the first time every single time we go live. I see people saying, hey, it's the first time I caught you live. Hitting the notification bell gives them a little bit of an alert. Sal is live right now. You want to go ask a question? Go ask your fella a question. So appreciate all that in advance. And before we get into it, just want to say and thank the sponsors of the show today, Superdraft. If you are not already familiar with Superdraft, it is a multiplier format, as I'm sure many people who are always tuning into this channel know. But for some people, they just don't want to sign up. For whatever reason, you're still not wanting to sign up over on Superdraft. So the multiplier format, what does it basically mean? Well, right now they do not have the two game slate up just yet. I'm still waiting on that. But for example, if Aaron Rodgers has a one X multiplier, Aaron Rodgers scores 22 points on the slate, multiply that by one. And there you go. He gets 22 fantasy points. But if Teddy Bridgewater is going to be given, let's say a 1.5 X multiplier, and he scores 20 fantasy points on the slate, normally on DraftKings, that means Rodgers outscores Bridgewater by two points. But because of that 1.5 X multiplier, Bridgewater is actually going to be bumped up to 30 points. So it is projection based, a little bit of ownership. We have those projections. Again, you can follow down below over on Patreon, and it's just a ton of fun to play. A lot of people in the Discord, a lot of people in the community are banking four and five figure prizes basically weekly at this point over on Superdraft. The contests still do not fill, so you get the benefit of overlay, you get the benefit of playing for the same amount of money with less people and less experienced people. Because let's be honest here, people that are trying to do this for a living, professionals, they're trying to gun for the million dollar prizes, the hundred thousand, fifty thousand dollar prizes on DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo to an extent, sports betting streets, and player props staying positive EV there. 
the $5,000 to $10,000 to $20,000 prices up top on Superdraft might not be something that they're prioritizing in their process each day. So you have a huge advantage in terms of ROI and what on which website you're playing on. So I recommend Superdraft. And if you want to use my name, they will give you a free money bonus up to $1,000 rookies. That does come in a slow drip format. Just my name, SAL, when you sign up, there's a link down below to check it out. Any questions on Superdraft, just let me know. You can reach out on the Discord as well if you are a patron. So with that all said, let's start off this slate. And we can start off with the quarterback position, which yes, when you look at it, you're going to probably say, ah, I mean, look, your interest right now early on, yes for Rodgers, yes for Allen, maybe for Teddy Bridgewater and not that much interest in Drew Locke. That makes sense on paper. And I mean, that's basically the way that it's playing out right now. We can break down these players. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and, and Josh Allen are looking very similar to me on this slate, but you do get the nice price discount on Josh Allen, which makes it a little bit more appealing for similar matchups, similar team totals. Rodgers coming in with close to a 30 implied team total as an eight and a half point favorite. Again, keep an eye on the weather in that game. If the team total starts to drop by three or four points, because it's looking like it's going to be a blizzard, that's a concern. As long as the wind is not going to pick up all that much during the game, as long as the snow isn't coming down during the game, it can come down three, four hours before, and that's fine as long as it's all cleared out. If it's snowing during the game with no wind, that's not going to be an impact on the total. If it's snowing a ton and there's a lot of wind, yeah, their team total might go from 30 to 25. And then it looks like a pretty obvious option up top for Josh Allen. But Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, basically since his, his clunker in week six against Tampa Bay, when he was getting pressured left and right, his most paid and highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history, and David Bakhtiari got hurt in that game and had to leave. Yeah, he laid an egg that week, all the way back in week six. Since then, he hasn't scored under 22 and a half DraftKings points for you. And basically, he's averaging around 25 points per game since that time. And it's even better to be in these Green Bay Packers stacks right now. You know the obvious Devontae Adams, and on this slate, he's going to be somebody that you can get to. Maybe you want to prioritize, especially if you're playing Rodgers. But then you have MVS, who's been consistent as of late, maybe coming off of his best efficiency game last week ever as a pro. Robert Tonyan, touchdown in four straight games. Targets continue to come as he had that game-sealing reception in the last game. And Alan Lazard is slowly being ramped up. Last week, he was still on a snap count, but we still have to watch that. Now you get a matchup against Carolina, which is going to be a secondary that you can pick apart, which is going to be a situation where they don't have a pass rush. They're still bad against the run. So play action passing for Rodgers becomes even more efficient for somebody who's already leading the NFL in passer rating this year. He's averaging 283 yards per game, which is basically a virtual tie right now with Josh Allen. His 8.2 yards per attempt leads the slate in less than a 1% interception rate, which is just another example of, okay, maybe if you have Josh Allen throwing pick sixes or a pick six in the game, or even Rodgers, maybe you want that so that you have to throw a little bit more, but it's just another example of limiting the downside for him. Aaron Rodgers has the number one supporting cast of players that we just went through a bunch of them according to player profiler. That's only going to help you even on a two game slate when we're talking about trying to stack it up. Leads the NFL in touchdowns to this point right now. He's number one in adjusted yards per attempt. He's number one in fantasy points per drop back. Again, an efficiency metric that it's going to add up for DraftKings scoring. So yes, Aaron Rodgers is clearly in play, but the question comes into play is, is the price discount of $600 worth it to get down to these Buffalo stacks? And you might see the Denver defense and go, ah, it's a little bit scary of a defense. I don't know if I want to get there. That has not been the case so far this season. By any extent, the team total of 28.25 right now for Josh Allen's team against a Denver defense that is basically giving up very similar amounts of points as Carolina's secondary this year to the quarterback position. It's not really something that you should worry about all that much. Josh Allen has about an average protection rate this year of number 16 overall, and he has some stacking options. Now his team so far this season is passing the 14th most times per game in terms of passing plays being called. And then when you factor in attempts, and if you don't factor in sacks and throwaways and things like that, when you actually factor in the attempts this year, Josh Allen is number seven in attempts in the NFL. He's number six in passing yards and number four in total air yards. So a lot of upside downfield. That's going to help when you have Steph Diggs out there. That's going to help when the rookie Gabriel Davis is running deep routes. And now potentially John Brown coming back this week at a very cheap price point to give you some security and flexibility in your Buffalo stacks. So similar to Rodgers, like I said, Rodgers and Josh Allen right now, my Patreon projections, you could be following along right now at home if you want to, you can pull them up. They look like similar options this week. And they also have similar stacking capabilities, even if you wanted to single stack it or 
full-on game stack it. A Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, John Brown, how cheap he is, is easy to do. Run it back with whoever you want on Denver, Tim Patrick and or Melvin Gordon, something along those lines. You could even get Cole Beasley, who's one of the hottest wide receivers in the league right now. And I'm not even talking for just looks. I'm talking about the performance that he's going these days, fellas, fellas, fellas. What you talking about here? People right now, the wheels turn in their head saying, what's going on here with this Sal guy? There's nothing at all. We're commending the guy and the great flow that he has. He puts the nice flow in the in the man bun on the sidelines. He puts his glasses on and the man's looking good. The man knows what style is out there. Cole Beasley, I believe, the number one now wide receiver ever in terms of touchdown receptions. Shout out to Bees having a career year in Buffalo. It's basically going to be a neutral pass blocking advantage for Josh Allen this week. It's right, right around like minus 1%. And in a clean pocket, he's a top 10 passer this year. If I had to lean right now, the PG-13 version, so YouTube doesn't go crazy and try and censor this channel, a water gun to my head, I'm going to probably be going with Josh Allen, but it's always Aaron Rodgers if you're a man of the streets, if, if you know how this channel goes, if you know the inside joke, it's always Aaron Rodgers, but I would lean Josh Allen right now. That being said, if I'm playing 150s and I am, and we can talk about it more on Saturday's live stream where you could ask me all your questions, hit like, subscribe, all those things, I'm going to be getting a good amount of both of these guys. But the guy who stands out as the top value on the slate does not mean the highest points by any means. I haven't projected for way less than the guys above him and Rodgers and Allen, but the top value on the slate, that man's name is going to be Teddy Bridgewater, who is in a bounce back spot after coming off of one of his worst performances that we've seen of the season against Minnesota, where it took him 36 attempts. He was only at like 52% completion for a guy who basically like half the time this year is at a 75% completion rate like he was week 14 against Denver. Again, this Denver team that you're going to see Buffalo go up against now, you saw Teddy Bridgewater have success without DJ Moore. Maybe DJ Moore is not going to play again, but Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson's, these guys got the job done. He went for 7.1 yards per attempt, 283 yards. He had an empty box score and passing touchdowns with the rushing touchdown on the ground, got him to over 20 DraftKings points in this game. And now we get to match up against Green Bay, who yes, Green Bay's secondary so far this year has been good when you're looking at Jair Alexander. Now, overall, their secondary is not elite. It's not top 10. It's around average when you factor in the rest of their secondary, especially their safeties this year. Darnell Savage has been good in terms of ball hawking abilities, but in terms of just coverage, not the greatest. And what you're going to be getting out of Carolina is looking like right now a negative 14 pass blocking advantage because their offensive line is just not that great. So that's going to help the Packers secondary a little bit, but it's still some positive advantages for some of these wide receivers. The protection rate is at least good for Teddy Bridgewater, a number eight protection rate at 89.6% so far this season. But for Teddy Bridgewater owners, and if you want to be playing him in DFS, you want that protection, right? So it's looking like the pass rush might get there in terms of the talent of the defensive line versus the offensive line of Carolina, because what you're getting this year is the number three clean pocket passer for Teddy Bridgewater. He's fantastic. He's top three when he does have time to throw, but when he's pressured, it drops to number one. He drops to a basically bottom of the third NFL quarterback when he's under pressure. That's not great for anybody. None of his pass catchers for his overall stack upside. But I do believe that a lot of that is built into this price point. Hell, he's $5,200 on this slate. Teddy Bridgewater has been normally like around the 6K range on main slates, 5,800. Now, obviously the team total is not great. 21.25. Now it's probably the toughest matchup overall on the slate for a quarterback because Buffalo's defense has not been that great. We're going to talk about Carolina and Denver for the Packers secondary with the combination of their pass rush and some of their star players. It's probably not the greatest matchup. But again, all of that is built into this price point for a guy in Teddy Bridgewater right now who has been relatively consistent. For a guy who does have 20 plus DraftKings points in three of his last four games. And if this guy can pop off, especially in the passing game against Green Bay, who does get leaky at times, especially in their, their deeper secondary unit when it's basically away from Jair, Teddy Bridgewater can have success. You have Kurt Samuel and Robbie Anderson has the obvious stacks if DJ Moore is out. That's where I would be going. And then endless amounts of runback options. So Teddy Bridgewater is in play for me. Drew Locke is not somebody I want to get to right now. I know that Drew Locke you had last week, KJ Hamler having a couple of deep bomb touchdowns. Drew Locke ends up getting there in the touchdowns. He goes to Tim Patrick yet again, who Tim Patrick just will not die. The man continues to produce. And Drew Locke goes for what I believe right now is his second best performance of the season last week at around 26 DraftKings points. Only better performance was that come from behind victory against Atlanta. And that's all great to look at. And this is probably the best matchup on the slate that he's going to 
to have against Buffalo, but it's still not something that I'm going to be jumping up and down to get to. We can see maybe later on in the week I get to some Drew Locke because he does have some passing options. Jerry Judy is banged up, so do not be kidding yourself. Jerry Judy is performing poorly because he is banged up. I would not be shocked in the offseason if you see something about Jerry Judy having surgery. So right now, Tim Patrick is my clear option. Noah Fant is due back. He left the last game out of precaution because he was feeling ill. The whole COVID thing, he didn't have it. He basically had like a stomach bug. That would be my number two option. And then even KJ Hamler has been showing the upside, but you're getting a very, very bad protection rate right now. Number 34 in the NFL for Drew Locke. Denver has a minus 38% pass blocking advantage. Drew Locke is going to be under siege and under pressure in this one with a bad team total. Right now, Drew Locke is not somebody I plan to get to. Josh Allen, Rodgers, and Teddy Bridgewater, probably in that order, are my priorities at the quarterback position. Now we can move to running back where there's some nice options on the slate. And up top, you're going to see Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he's going to be questionable, right? So as of my recording on this on Wednesday, even if we record it on Thursday, maybe we'll have some news. He's not practicing is what I assume. On Friday, we'll probably have all the news that we need. He didn't practice at all. But just keep an eye on this. Obviously, if Christian McCaffrey is playing at $9,000, he is going to be somebody I have interest in. He's going to be maybe my most interested running back that I have right now on the slate. But at this point, I mean, you're getting basically Mike Davis, who is nowhere near Christian McCaffrey, in my opinion. Maybe he's 70% of the production more times than not out there, 60% depending on the matchup. But Mike Davis at $6,500 is a great option, right? So right now we're just going to go through this, assuming that Christian McCaffrey is not playing. And you get a very tiered down approach at the running back position. Only one guy, if McCaffrey doesn't play, the highest priced guy, Aaron Jones, barely above 7K. Mike Davis, mid 6K range. And then it drops all the way to the 5K range. So one guy in the sevens, one guy in the sixes, one in the five, one in the fours, right? So it's very tiered down. It's kind of very, it's very easy basically at that point to get whoever you want. And Aaron Jones at the top here at $7,300, he does have his faults because of the fact that how often Devonta Adams being the number one targeted player in the NFL by a wide margin right now in the red zone, especially in the one yard line, how often they're throwing on the one yard line, padding those stats for good old Aaron Rodgers at 39 passing touchdowns at this point, pushing for 50 plus in his MVP this year. But Aaron Jones, what more can you ask for than being the biggest favorite on the slate at minus even eight and a half with the highest total at 30 right now? And I get it. Everybody out there is screaming, but he's splitting the touches right now with Jamal Williams. And yeah, that's because Jamal Williams is actually a good running back. I know that people hate to hear that, but Jamal Williams is a good running back. But splitting the touches, are, are, are people paying attention? Aaron Jones played 68% of the snaps in week 13. He played 70% of the snaps for only the second time this year in week 14 against Detroit. He's seen now 18 opportunities in back-to-back games. He's seen now 18 or more opportunities basically in three games straight. So yes, Aaron, Jamal Williams is going to get these eight touches in the game, two or three receptions or targets, four or five carries. Yes, he's going to get those, but this, don't be, don't be confused. This is Aaron Jones' backfield for the man that's averaging this year 19.3 opportunities per game, and it's not like those are fading up. If anything, his snaps are going up from week 11 and week 12, 51 and 53% of the snaps. The last two weeks, 68 and 70% of the snaps. So assuming Christian McCaffrey does not play, Aaron Jones as the most expensive player in the slate with by far the best fantasy point per touch upside at 0.87 is going to be one of my favorite running back plays in a pretty clear yes. Now, maybe my favorite running back play in the slate, just because of the price point that you're getting right now, is Mike Davis. Mike Davis, that for somebody in fantasy playoffs last week, and I went up against him, did a lot of damage. He found the end zone twice last week, and he scored a second most fantasy points on the season at 26.3. He was a running back five on the entire week, 93 total yards, saw six targets for the second week in a row, and he's now seen five or more targets in four out of his last five weeks. So there was kind of a slump in the season in like basically week seven and week eight when he was still this main back, but he wasn't getting all that much usage in the passing game. Now you've seen that usage pick up in a major way. So Mike Davis at 6,500. Yes, he's a pretty big underdog, but that's where the passing game usage comes in. He ran basically his second most routes on the year at 29 routes in that last game. He ended up seeing a total of 17 opportunities. And Mike Davis, his red zone usage right now in the last three games combined, 
Mike Davis at this point is seeing 18 red zone opportunities. They get into the red zone. It's not Robbie Anderson. It's not Curtis Samuel. It is literally all Mike Davis. 18 opportunities in the last three games since Christian McCaffrey has been fully out in the red zone. That is all the upside in the world right now. Give me Mike Davis. Mike Davis, if we peek behind the curtain on Patreon, you can find and follow along down below. I have him projected for 17.2 fantasy points. He's my highest projected running back on the slate. He likely at this point in the week is my number one running back play. Some other options that we're going to have. Now, nobody stands out in a major way here. As you can see on the screen, I have some maybes and I do have another yes. But before we get there, Melvin Gordon, the only guy in the 5K range. Melvin Gordon is somebody else who looks pretty decent just because there's not that many options on this slate because Melvin Gordon gets a lot of usage on his team. Melvin Gordon is coming off of a 16 opportunity game. He has now seen 16 or more opportunities in back-to-back weeks and he had three receptions in that last game. He has now gone over 12 fantasy points in three out of his last four games. So on a two-game slate in this decent price range right here, as a big underdog, yes, that's a concern, but we have limited options. And it's not like Philip Lindsay is catching passes. Philip Lindsay has what? I can count them on my same hand how many catches he has this season. So although Melvin Gordon's not running an insane amount of routes, 24 total routes in the last two weeks. Not a lot of guys on this team are running routes, right? Right. Rory Freeman's not stepping on the field in terms of the backfield. Philip Lindsay is running some routes, but not getting any type of receptions or usage on them. So there is some pretty good potential here that even in a in a downswing type of a game that Melvin Gordon still pushes towards 15 touches. He gets all the red zone usage coming off of a game where he saw four overall red zone touches. So Melvin Gordon is going to be in play for me in what is likely going to be the faster game of the two, of the two on this slate. And this team in Denver plays at the fastest pace out of all the teams on this slate. Some other options, Jamal Williams, you know what you're going to get there. You're going to get somewhere between six to 10 touches, depending on game script. You're going to get, maybe he runs down the clock at the end of the game. And this one is a big favorite. Maybe there's a little bit of garbage time at the end, some goal line opportunities. So Jamal Williams is definitely in play at $4,800. You're not going to get secured touches there. I mean, you get secured like six to eight touches maybe, but you're not really going to have a major ceiling on it, but he does get some goal line and red zone usage. Jamal Williams remains in play. This Buffalo backfield is tough, right? You have Zach Moss at $4,500, who was trending up in the snaps, right? You've seen Zach Moss now play 50% or more in the snaps and basically every single game that he's been healthy since week eight. He's been the majority back from a snap share perspective. Now he's not running a lot of routes. You're basically probably going to be looking at somewhere around 12 routes run for him. Devin Singletary has been the more active pass catching running back on the season with Zach Moss in his last four total games, only catching three passes. Zach Moss coming off of a game where he returns from injury when he got hurt against San Fran and then against Pittsburgh in week 14, he had three red zone touches. So Zach Moss is going to have those red zone touches for you, but he's losing the passing game upside, which is the concern. Now, Zach Moss losing those carries overall is concerning. And he's also losing some red zone work. Singletary earlier in the year. I mean, you basically went two or three weeks without Singletary around weeks five, six, seven, not having a red zone touch. Now Singletary coming off of the last two games has four red zone carries. Singletary in his last four games right now has eight receptions to Zach Moss's four, right? So he's more active in the passing game. You're getting maybe around 15 to 20 routes run for Singletary. You're getting a matchup that they both came off of against Pittsburgh that wasn't great. But if you made me choose one of them, and this is why I have a yes on Singletary, don't get this twisted. Me having a yes on Singletary does not mean that I like Singletary for more fantasy points than Melvin Gordon or even Jamal Williams. It just means that if you're choosing a guy in this cheaper range at the flat minimum between Philip Lindsay and this 4k range between Jamal Williams and Zach Moss. If you're choosing one, when I factor in the point per dollar upside, I'll just basically punt the position to $4,100 Devin Singletary. If you want a cheap running back, I would much prefer getting to Aaron Jones and Mike Davis, but salary constraints are an actual thing. They're not on Superdraft though, the presenting sponsor of the show. So be sure to check that out. But that's basically where my interests lie. Aaron Jones and Mike Davis are the clear cut options. Melvin Gordon does have a lot of upside to even threaten those guys in fantasy points around the 15 to 20 range. If he finds the end zone, Jamal Williams, Zach Moss, and Devin Singletary lesser extents. You're hoping there for like 10 to 12 fantasy points. Maybe they find the end zone and you're just really punting the position to pay up at quarterback and wide receiver, which is appealing this week. And before we get into the wide receiver position that you can see on the screen right now, a quick word from the presenting sponsor of this show, the co-sponsor, and that's going to be my bookie. 
So this is what they want me to let you know over at my bookie, a place where you can play some wagers. The man in red must have gotten our letters because this year we are getting NBA and NFL action on the exact same day, Christmas Day. That is true. Friday night football and a full slate of games that you're going to be getting on NBA. Don't worry, we will be covering both on this YouTube channel for the NBA DFS and those night games. So be sure to subscribe so you know when it's coming. The best place to bet them both is my bookie. They're the only sports book that does not care. They do not give a shit. Whether you were naughty or nice this year, they've got gifts for everyone. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer up to $1,000 in bonus cash for free. That is a shit ton of Dollaruskis, people. $1,000 in bonus cash for free. Now that is a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And this year, my bookie is giving you not one, not two, but six days of giveaways. From December 22nd to the 26th, they are hooking players up with deals and promotions so exciting we can't even talk about them seriously. They are sworn to secrecy. Hush, hush, hush. So what does that mean? Basically, fellas, you're just going to have to sign up and find out what they are, these promotions that they're doing. It's simple. Sign up and enter the promo code SAL10, that is SAL10, and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks in Dollaruskis. Head over to my bookie to make the most of the holidays this year with six days of giveaways. This winter, stay warm and bet with the best bet with my bookie. Thank you, my bookie, for sponsoring this channel. Go check out my bookie today, people's out there. Now, the wide receiver position is jam-packed, motherfucking loaded. I cannot wait to break this position down. And honestly, it's a ton of fun because there's just weapons everywhere. I have a bunch of guys, and you can see right now, I have a bunch of guys as yeses. Sal, how are we going to differentiate between them? Well, I'll know when I run my 150s on Saturday, but a lot of guys grade out for a whole lot of fantasy points. Let me actually just project this right now and run this by my projections. So in terms of wide receivers that I have projected for 10 or more fantasy points, which is, is not rare, but for a two-game slate, that's a lot of wide receivers. I have seven wide receivers projected for 10 or more fantasy points. And one of them's like at the high nines right now, which would be another guy, right? The eight, if we count him as well. So lots of wide receivers that are definitely in play this week. Obviously up top, Devontae Adams. What do I have to say about the guy who's averaging 11.1 targets per game, who leads the NFL in red zone usage, who's going to have leads the NFL in yards per game at this point, who's going to see probably a positive 20% matchup. They're using him in the slot a lot this year, but he moves all around the field. He's basically used around 33% of the time or so in every single part of the field. So he'll see some of the rookie who's been very good this year, Jeremy Chin, who's had like back-to-back pick sixes so far this year at one point. Definitely in play for the defensive rookie of the year, but too bad Chase Young exists. But Devontae Adams, he's going to have a great matchup whether he's play, facing Troy Pride, an even better matchup. He'll have a, a skill set matchup by far. There's not a single cornerback in this league that can guard him, in my opinion. Um, you can just look at some of the tape from defensive player of the year last year, Stefan Gilmore, saying that the scariest man in the NFL is Devontae Adams. So when the scariest defensive player in the league last year says that, you know, this man is a bad motherfucking dude. So sure, he's $9,400. If you're playing Devontae Adams and you want to stack him up with Rodgers, you probably have to punt at the running back position with a Singletary, get to a Melvin Gordon and not pay up all the way, which is a little bit easier because if you're playing Adams and Rodgers, you probably don't want to also stack up Aaron Jones. You could, but you you probably don't have the money to, and the correlation just isn't there. So Adams, I don't have to spend much time there. Adams is a great option. And it's very similar as analysis for Stefan Diggs. It's really just about what you're doing with your lineups. If you're playing his quarterback, if you're using the other side of that game as a Drew Locke cheap option and want to run it back, Steph Diggs wouldn't be my top priority there. Steph Diggs had a nice team total in this one. And also a man just running so many routes, playing every single snap at this point. You were getting nine or more targets in basically six straight games at this point for Steph Diggs. And if you want to just look at his bottoming out performances against Michael Davis, who has been good against the Chargers, there's 11 fantasy points there. Outside of that, you're basically getting 20 fantasy points per game over the last month, the month and a half of the season. And now Steph Diggs matchup in this one is going to be pretty easy. Whether it's Dawson Jr. that he's going to be up against, who Dawson Jr. this year has given up 100% catch rate in a very limited sample. Yes, Denver is dealing with some injuries. Whether it's Will Parks, whoever Steph Diggs is going up against, he's going to have a massive advantage. Diggs is playing right now 32% of the time out of the slot, 37% of the time on the right side of the field, and 31% on the left. So he's going to be moved all around the field to get the best advantage. He's being targeted downfield 
at the highest clips in the NFL, basically top five usage. Stefan Diggs, uh, Devontae Adams is my number one projected wide, uh, player on the entire slate, not only wide receiver in terms of fantasy points, higher than the quarterbacks, running backs, all these guys. But Steph Diggs is not that far behind. Steph Diggs actually beats him out for fantasy points per dollar at this point, just barely. They're very close. They're both projected for over 21 fantasy points. I like Steph Diggs depending on the lineup you're going for. You get a $1,500 discount off of Devontae Adams, which makes Steph Diggs a little bit more appealing to me just on paper right now and not counting in what kind of correlations you're doing. So Steph Diggs definitely in play. And now as we just keep going down this list, the guys in Carolina also look fantastic. Now you're getting Robbie Anderson, who he is probably going to be the one, especially if DJ Moore is out, who sees a good amount of Jair Alexander treatment and maybe even a shadow of around 70% of the snaps there. I suspect that he will see Jair Alexander, but he does have a little bit of advantage. He's about six inches on Jair Alexander. So that's always going to help, especially for jump balls on him. But man, oh man, has Jair been good this year, just allowing right now a 53% catch rate and only 0.68 yards per cover out. Now, again, it's not going to be ever 100% shadow, maybe it's 70% of the time. You're also going to get Jair really not moving into the slot that much. And Robbie Anderson does play so far this year, basically right now around 26 to 30% of his snaps out of the slot. So what you're getting out of Anderson is just consistency, right? When they play at the pace that they want to play at, you get consistency. The concern for this one is they hit a stretch where they were not playing fast paced games. It was basically like week six to week nine. There's a lot of slower paced games. Now, lately weeks 11 to week 14, the pace has gone up. And what have you seen the last two weeks? 19.4 fantasy points and 18 fantasy points for Anderson. But they're sadly facing the Packers who are basically a bottom two pace team in the NFL this year. So that might ruin it and hurt Robbie Anderson if he's getting one or one and a half less possessions in this game. But the price discount is almost baking that in. Tough matchup, slower pace game, but he's only $6,200 for a guy who is averaging almost nine targets per game, eight and a half so far this year for a guy right now in fantasy points who's averaging the third most on the slate at the wide receiver position behind Diggs and Adams. Robbie Anderson is definitely in play for me because of the price discount, but temper expectations because of one, the matchup and because of two, the slower pace in this game. Now, as of right now, I'm projecting DJ Moore to miss this game because of the COVID issues. And if he's going to be in, we'll update the projections and you can follow along on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Betri underscore. And you can follow along, but we'll also talk about it on the live stream. Now, Curtis Samuel is somebody that I have a lot of interest in. And really this interest is going to come if you're going to get DJ Moore out. You're getting Curtis Samuel right now seeing five or more targets basically in every single game since week five. And he's been seeing nine or more targets in three out of his last five games. Last weekend, they're putting up seven receptions on nine targets, three red zone targets as well. 68 yards, had some rushing usage. He scored 16 fantasy points. And he has now basically scored 11 or more fantasy points in every game, but one since week five. Now $4,800, you want more than 11, but that's a pretty damn good around the floor, right? Around the median to floor projection for Curtis Samuel at $4,800. A guy who has an 86% catch rate and is getting 3.8 yards of separation. Those two statistics lead this slate. So when you are getting separation, getting open, right? And you're also getting the situation that's very similar to Debo Samuel usage on this team where you have a high catch rate well obviously you're going to see more targets and you're converting those more so Curtis Samuel looks like a pretty strong option but the man who's right next to him in price it makes it difficult to want to go all in on Curtis Samuel I like them both and this is maybe a range where you can go with both Curtis Samuel and Cole Beasley and getting those two 4k options who have a lot of upside in their offense see a lot of volume especially if DJ Moore is out allows you to do a lot more with your lineup I do think that going to four wide receivers this week makes a lot of sense only two running backs because there's just way more options at the wide receiver they have more upside anyways but way more options here we now 10 or more targets for Cole Beasley in three out of his last four games. You were getting at this point, nine or more fantasy points in four straight, including in week 10, when he was the number one wide receiver on the entire week with over 30 fantasy points. Yes. Cole Beasley, even a tough matchup against Mike Hilton is getting the usage right now. And even in tough matchups against Chris Harris is getting the usage this week. The matchup is not going to be that tough. You'll have a positive 5% matchup in the slot against Will Parks to this point. I like Cole Beasley a good amount. Cole Beasley right now for me, if I factor this by fantasy points per dollar is my number one point per dollar play in the slate by a wide margin. I'm projected out for 15.8 DraftKings points, 
3.36 value. I only have three guys at three or more value in the wide receiver position, and he is by far the number one option. Cole Beasley, I like a lot at $4,700, even if John Brown does return. We have Tim Patrick down here, who yet again, if it's not his wide receiver that is on the practice squad and, and Kendall Hinton playing at quarterback, if he's not getting thrown out of a game, Tim Patrick has now scored 10 or more fantasy points basically every single week since earlier this season and the exact week was week two. So you're getting all those fantasy points in that security. He comes out last week, he ends up seeing five targets. He ends up catching another touchdown. He has been a little bit touchdown dependent the last couple of weeks, three total touchdowns on three red zone targets. So he's hanging on by just a thread to this type of usage, especially in the red zone. He'll be going up against Levy Wallace, Levi Wallace, 58% overall catch rate allowed. It's not the greatest of matchups for Tim Patrick, but he's priced for it. In the 4K range, I do prefer Cole Beasley and Curtis Samuel. So now when he's around these other guys who are just going to get more overall volume and better offenses with right now, similar to better team totals, I'll lean to those guys. Tim Patrick though is in play for me, especially if you're trying to run back a Buffalo stack with somebody on Denver. I think my top option there might just be Tim Patrick. Now you have matchups for MVS and Alan Lazard. Keep an eye on the news for Alan Lazard because he has been playing on a limited snap count. That's why you're not getting all the upside in the world out of Alan Lazard. But if he is indeed in and he's not going to be on a snap count, $4,100 is really good for a guy who's probably going to profile out for six to eight targets in this game. Probably going to be somebody that I have similar interest in as a Curtis Samuel or a Cole Beasley at that point. Also, he's going to see some Troy Pride, which right now Troy Pride has been a very poor cornerback, allowing a 74% catch rate, a 1.24 yards per cover on a somewhat limited sample. Alan Lazard is going to have massive advantages over Troy Pride, 37 pound and five inch advantage. The only thing stopping Alan Lazard in this Saturday game is either A, the weather or two, his own limitations from his coach, limiting his snaps back from this core muscle surgery. Alan Lazard will probably be low on the slate, especially after MVS coming off of what is arguably one of his best games of his career from just an efficiency standpoint, not so much a total accounting stats of yards. MVS will also have his own matchup against Dante Jackson. Dante Jackson has been pretty quality this year. It's going to be a tougher matchup. Alan Lazard could be the sleeper play in this two game slate, especially if the training wheels come off here in this matchup with the volume that he gets and how much chemistry he has with Aaron Rodgers. Some other options at the wide receiver position as I scroll down just a little bit here, you can see guys like KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy. Again, Judy has been banged up and injured for about a month now. His production has fallen off a cliff because he's playing through a lower body ankle foot injury at this point. Do not be shocked if he has surgery in the offseason. KJ Hamler, these guys are in play. They're not going to be massive guys that I have that much interest in. The matchups against Levi Wallace, matchups against Tredavious White, who will be on, I would assume, Tim Patrick, but also parts of that game. Also, Jerry Judy. So a little bit difficult there, especially since Judy's upside as he was going downfield and getting a ton of air yards for about a month of the season. He was the air yards leader earlier this season for a month span. Since then, it has not been the case. And I assume a lot of that has to do with the lower body injury. Jerry Judy was seeing 132 or more air yards. In a couple of those weeks, he went over 150 in four straight games from week eight to week 11. He has not basically eclipsed to this point 50 air yards since 24, 49, and 38. That's not because Drew Locke has stopped throwing deep. That's because there's something going on injury wise with Jerry Judy. It is concerning. The final guy that I have a yes on is John Brown. Keep an eye on John Brown, who's basically been littered with injuries all year long. And honestly, if he does return this week, we're going to have to get some positive news that he's going to be healthy. But he is only $3,300. When John Brown has been healthy, just look at his last two games 36 routes run, 11 targets, 36 routes run, 8 targets, finishes with 18 fantasy points and 13.2 fantasy points. Uh, if you get 13 fantasy points at the very worst, right? The worst performance out of those two from John Brown at $3,300, that is fantastic for you. So John Brown when healthy, right? And that's a big when. And then if healthy, is going to be a top producer for you. I need to know that he's healthy. Right now, I'm projecting him for basically like 80% of his normal usage. And he's projecting out for very good value. Around nine to nine and a half fantasy points at $3,300 unlocks a lot for you. Now, this is what is so important about this slate. There are outs for you. There are cheap options for you at the wide receiver position mainly. Yes, you can punt with Devin Singletary, who might get you eight fantasy points at $4,100. 
but you can have a very similar or more upside at 3,300 cheaper. At similar price points, I currently have guys like Curtis Samuel, Cole Beasley, even Tim Patrick. I have all those guys at similar price points and cheaper than Melvin Gordon, similar price points to the other cheaper running backs. I have them for maybe double the fantasy points or close to it. So right now, it is all about getting to just two running backs this week and four wide receivers in your lineups because a lot of these wide receivers have insane projections, not just their floor median, but their ceilings compared to the other running backs that are in split backfields on this slate. So it's looking like an Aaron Jones plus a Mike Davis, unless you want to go to Melvin Gordon type of a week and then load up on the wide receivers to fill out the rest of your lineup. There's a lot of good wide receivers. Wide receiver is probably the most important position this week because we want to be playing four because of the upside for correlations and stacks, but just because of how they compare to the running backs at the similar price points, it's by far the obvious option in my opinion. So now we move over to the tight end position. You can see not that many on the slate. And I just have interest in the guys that are going to be starting and getting reps. Robert Tonyan is a guy who right now for the Packers. And also, if you're still here with us, I appreciate you a ton. We're breaking down in depth this slate right now. Projections and rankings for even more usage are linked down below. Spending 40 minutes on a two game slate because I love all you ladies and gentlemen and fellas, fellas, fellas out there. Be sure to comment any questions that you have. I'll try to answer them as long as they are appropriate and actually something that I can answer and help you with. But right now, what you're getting out of Mr. Robert Tonyan is the same exact game flow. Look at it. Since week 11 to week 14, the man has seen five targets. The man has caught a touchdown and he has fluctuated from 13.9 to 17.7 fantasy points. Robert Tonian has been a top 10 tight end in four straight weeks and a top five in three out of the last four weeks. He's been great. He's running downfield. He is very similar to at this point to what I just said about Curtis Samuel, right? He has a fantastic separation rating and Robert Tonian leads every single player on the slate in separation. 4.4 yards of separation per target and 87% catch rate. So that's why on just five targets, he's been able to sustain this production. Now, obviously the touchdowns where he currently sits right now with touchdowns is nine. Obviously, the touchdowns are going to help you overall to score a lot of fantasy points. But because of his separation, he has the ability right now to just put up four catches for 40 to 50 yards like it's nothing. And nine fantasy points is going to be pretty decent for a tight end on the slate. They're all relatively cheap. Tony on the most expensive at 4,500. I love the upside of him obviously seeing the red zone usage, but the downfield usage on a yards per target standpoint right now, that combination of the catch percentage and separation has been fantastic. He right now, in terms of yards per target, is number four amongst tight ends and leads all tight ends in catch rate and separation. Love to see that. Now, Noah found I have a yellow mark by... But he should be good to go. He left that game early, probably hurt a lot of people in the fantasy playoffs. They thought that, you know, let's play this safe. He feels does not feel good. We want to make sure it's not COVID. It wasn't COVID. So just keep a close eye on that. He basically got pulled immediately in that game, but he was coming off of one of his better performances in a little while, basically in the last month against Kansas City the week before. He played 77% of the snaps, the most he's played since week 10. He saw seven targets, the most he's seen since week 10. And then he ended up putting up around 10 fantasy points. So Noah Font and Robert Tornion are the obvious like main options on the slate. Noah Font, I will say, can get there more so on volume, right? You can feel better about him seeing an eight target game than Tonyan seeing probably just closer to a four to six target game because of how dominant Devontae Adams is in that target share and if Alan Lazard starts to see more snaps. So Font for me is the better tight end option if you're looking for safety, but Robert Tonyan has the higher upside just because of what his role is downfield and in the red zone for this Packers team. The only other guy that even looks like an option on this slate, because really honestly at this point, you're not seeing really any tight end for Carolina pop off. I have Ian Thomas projected for like three points if you want to punt it, but I'd rather go to Dawson Knox who is stapling himself in for a nice little role here. He's now caught four balls in back back-to-back games coming off of a season high seven targets. He's ran now 25 routes in three out of his last four games and in back-to-back games more importantly. In week 14, playing a season high 80% of the snaps, he has now scored five or more fantasy points in three straight games, scoring 13 in week 13, 12.7 to be exact. So Dustin Knox getting more involved in this offense. That is very good to see. He's now seen four red zone targets in the last three weeks as well. So he's definitely in play for me as well. Now I had the other guys, Tony on and Font projected out for more, but he's also a significant amount cheaper. $1,700 cheaper than Tony on and $1,000 cheaper than Font. So that's where we're at right now. Now, position by position breakdown, everything you need for the million dollar maker, million dollars to first on DraftKings, the Super Draft Contest as well, which will be out shortly. Thank you so much for tuning into this two game slate. If you made it this far on the podcast, if you made it this far,
far on the YouTube video. I appreciate your support a ton. If you're listening on the podcast version, it takes two seconds to leave a five-star rating and review. Helps us try and break into the top 20 right now. We're like number 28 overall in fantasy podcast right around the ESPN and CBS one. So thank you all so much listening and watching on the YouTube version. Please hit that like and subscribe button. A big old one pops up and support the sponsors of the show, Superdraft and my bookie support over on Patreon if you'd like to get access to all these projections, rankings, and ownership so you can actually dominate your competition this coming Saturday. Check out the rest of the content on the channel this week and the ones that have already been published. You all rock. I will see you all in the next one, guys, and be sure to tune in Sunday live. I'll be going live probably around noon Eastern time. So be sure to be there for that. Thank you so much, everybody. See you then.